it is time to play a little copper drop. And the way this works is simple. Dennis makes the predictions. He sets mm-hmm. up the statements. And then I say whether I'm copying or dropping. Take it away. We just talked a lot about the Carolina Panthers and free agents. One big free agent, Jeremy hmm. Chin. The Carolina Panthers will re-sign Jeremy Chin. Copper drop. Drop. Um, I'm with you on that one. If, if, and this is a big if because it didn't happen, right? So, if, in, in retrospect, if they would have gone with a different different defensive coordinator, I think there would have been a chance for a reunion. But it, it's, I wouldn't say it's anybody's fault, although it's definitely not Jeremy Chin's fault. He didn't fit in with Evero's system, right? I, I was very excited for Jeremy Chin coming into the year. I was very excited for his versatility. It seems like every defensive coordinator in the NFL is looking for those varied skill set guys, those tweeners, right? They can uh, take on a, a, a tackle who's getting downfield or a pulling guard who's getting downfield for a block, and they can also run with these pass-catching tight ends that are pretty much just big wide receivers. Uh, I, I thought Jeremy Chin was going to fit that role. Turns out Evero doesn't need that guy. So Chin didn't play very much, got hurt. It was uh, not a great season. Um, if there was a new defensive coordinator, I think there could have been like a, hey, let's try again, let's start over. But because it's still Evero, I don't see how they they reconcile. Yeah, his his number of snaps, even before his injury, was diminishing pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of teams out there would love his skill set. And, and, yeah, that's part sure. of it. Like, other systems fit him better. They'd just be willing to offer more because they're going to use him better. So, yeah, exactly. Somebody else is just going to value him more. We want him to go where he's going to be valued. Go be happy. All right, next one up here. An ACC school, go, go in college basketball, an ACC school will make it to the Final Four. Copper drop. Copping. You're not going to make me name the team, are you? I mean, go, name it. No. Well, I, I'm, I, I cop. It. I cop the name. Okay. Uh, um, I cop it because it's happened, right? They're pretty consistently going above their seating. They're pretty consistently going uh, playing above their, their kind of reputation. So – yeah, go ahead and give me an like an ACC team, just one of them. Yeah, I think one's going to be in the Final Four. The name, dr- Copper Drop. That's the name of this segment, so I, I don't have to name a team yet. Uh, we'll do that as we get closer to to March and after the ACC tournament. But I'm I'm. If you just said like every year an ACC team would make the the Final Four, you're going to bat pretty good average. Like you're going to be pretty good like ACC we've talked about it you're battle tested when you make it out and and you're uh you know how to play in big games so I'm, I'm taking the ACC how many schools do you think get in four four yeah I'm thinking with you I think it's Duke care I think it's Duke Carolina Virginia Clemson Duke Carolina Virginia Clemson yes I was hoping Wake Hoping state, but I'd with I would say long shot. I would say the slight wiggle room for somebody to replace Clemson. Slight. I mean, with an ACC tournament run, there's yeah, there's still a lot of games left to be played. Uh, but the top three, I'm pretty confident. Although Virginia, I mean, their offense. Who'd they just play? Uh, Virginia Wake? Tech last night. No, they played Virginia Tech last night. Oh, yeah. Did you see this game? I did not actually. Uh, oh. Baby. Uh, yeah, it's actually making me reconsider if I should put Virginia in the, the championship. Virginia Tech mollywopped them. 
and UVA could not score the basketball. Really? It was as if they were in one of those games where you thought, like, UVA thought the score was going to be 42-40, except Virginia Tech already had 60. And it was like, you have 35 points. You're going to have to start scoring. It was bad. Um, so, so yeah, UVA not as locked in as I thought, but I agree four. All right, next one up on Copper Drop. Russell Wilson, a lot of talk about quarterbacks on the move, offseason changes, trades, and all that good stuff. Russell Wilson will be a starting quarterback in the NFL in 2024. Russell Wilson? Yes. Cop or drop? Cop. I thought thought the question was like Zach Wilson or something. No, no, no. Name the team. Ooh. Cop. No, come on. No, no, no. I need a team name. Come on. (laughs) Um... There's first of all, there's something going around ESPN, yeah. uh, national television. Mm-hmm. They have Russ backing up Aaron Rodgers on the Jets. Oh God! Uh, I believe that was a Tannenbaum starting thing. That that would be the that'd be a dream scenario for a lot of programming. Goodness, uh, I want nothing to do with that. But go on. It's also not going to happen. Um, I'm going to say Russ is starting. I'm I'm tempted to say Pittsburgh. I'm tempted to say Pittsburgh. They don't have the cap space. He doesn't need to make any money this year because he's he's getting money. He's getting paid from Denver. Yeah, if they release him, then yeah. Which they, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to trade for him. No, uh, I think they're going to wait till he gets released. Why wouldn't they? Right? No one because he's going to get released, and then you can pay him nothing. Um, Pittsburgh. 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 Okay. I wanted to go to New England. I could see that. But they have the three overall pick, and I just don't see them passing. They have the three or the two? Third. They have three. I don't see them passing on if it's Jaden Daniels or Drake May. But uh, maybe. Maybe if they go if they go Marvin Harrison Jr. at three and Russ, that's a quick rebuild. Uh, that's suddenly you got some things to work with. But now I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Okay. Speaking of the NFL draft – Copper drop, a team will trade for the number one overall pick. Drop. I think right now all of these, oh, did you hear that the Bears are hearing questions about the number one? It's it's just to drive up the price on Justin Fields. I think it is in their best interest to make everybody believe that they might keep Justin Fields because it only drives down the market if they're like, print the Caleb Williams jerseys, bring them on in. Let's go ahead and do it. Let, no, you, you have to play this little wishy-washy public game. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's not like many people are building it out to be. Caleb Williams versus Justin Fields. Which would you rather have? That's what's kind of the, the conversation out there. What it is is Justin Fields, who's going to be asking for a big contract right now, or Caleb Williams, who's not allowed to ask for a big contract for three years. That's where you're at, right? And And – uh, Caleb Williams with three years at least before he even asks for a big deal is too enticing to me. Um, and also, this is where it becomes super 2024 and stupid and dumb, and I hate that I know this. Uh, Justin Fields unfollowed the Bears on Instagram. Oh, wow. See, that means he's officially gone. I, I hate that I know that. Why do you know that? Because it, it's if you, you click the link and suddenly you're reading an article and – Right, it's some clickbaity link with like the this is how I know Justin Fields will not be a bear next year. And I click on it thinking like 
Knicks. An insider said that they're shopping them or have been offered a first-round pick. And then it just goes, he unfollowed him on Instagram. And if you're wondering, just so you know, Justin Fields also, he, he follows Drake London and Bijan Robinson on Instagram. Uh-huh. I don't want to know this. Yeah, I, This is knowledge I've gained against my own will. I feel... I feel so sorry for the people that that's their life where they go on to people's social media and see who they follow and unfollow and all that and stuff. And then go, yes, Justin Fields is following Bijan Robinson. I'm going to get clicks. It's Let me post it. Ugh, that's such a miserable way of life. So basically, he is the Atlanta Falcons starting quarterback next year. Okay. <laughs> because he followed Drake London and Bijan Robinson. I don't want to know this, but I do. Okay. Information learned against my will. All right, next one up here. Let's actually shift gears over to the NHL. The Carolina Hurricanes will make a trade, but not for a goalie. Cop or drop? Cop. The, okay. m- the more and more I, 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 first of all, hear from Don Waddell. There was an article in The Athletic where he was, he was speaking. And the more and more I pay attention and – I do more diving into the history of the moves that the Canes have made, and, and more, I, more and more I kind of take stock of what's going on. I think it's going to be an underwhelming deal for a uh, winger. Like, what do I want? I want a high-scoring right-handed second-line center or mm-hmm. a goalie or a stud goalie. What am I going to get? Eh, of a left-winger. Like, that's that's what it's going to be, and it's going to be for a future third-round pick, and it's, it's you know, it'll be what it'll be. But, um, you know, for that's my genuine insight there. It is what it is. But um, but that, that's just the way it, it seems to be trending. It'll be a move. They'll do something to try to, you know, kind of batten down the hatches and cover all angles. Uh, going into the the postseason, but it will not be the big all-in move of any kind that I was hoping for, which is kind of a bummer. All right, final one here real quick. I know we're getting some more canes here uh, in just a moment. Copper drop. NC State basketball will be looking for a new head coach after this season. Oh, this isn't fun. I never said it was going to be fun. This isn't fun. I don't – by the way, I just disclaimer, this would be a prediction, not a what I think should Again, happen. Do you think? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. I like Keats. I love Keats. I love Keats. Great I, dude. I think in a lot of good coach. In a lot of ways, these decisions oftentimes in college sports lack context. They are very black and white, inbounds, out of bounds. Yes, no, like right, wrong. It's very, did you go to the NCAA tournament? No? Okay, I don't care what the context was. I don't care if the team was getting better. I don't care if if there were injuries. I don't care if there were eligibility things. I don't care, like it's very much yes or no, pass, fail, go, no go. And unfortunately for Kevin Keats, even though I like a lot of what he does developing the program, I like a lot of what he does. I like a lot of the the things he says. He hasn't made the NCAA tournament enough. And it's not all his fault, but there's very little context in those decisions. So not a fun one to end on, but that's copper. No, but but it's, 
it's a real thing. And oh, it's 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 happening, and it's what everybody it, the conversation is happening. Yeah, and that's what everybody everybody's talking around talking about around the program. And as somebody whose head coach was fired right after my senior year, mm-hmm. players, you know what you have to do to keep them around. Yeah, go win games, right? You know what you have to do after like. You got six left. Win them all, and they're not firing you. Win them all, and you got, like, the momentum thing. Uh, look no further than Dave Doran. And I'm not saying they were going to fire him, but around the bye week, there were fans that were letting me know on social media, Doran, his message is gone. Doran is, you know, the team has moved on. The the program has moved on. They need to move on from Doran. little five-game winning streak to end the season, and he's in the, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, and everybody loves him again, and, now he's back. You you, you got to win games to, to save your coach sometimes. My head coach in college was fired two years after I graduated. It's, so if we would have won probably two more games my senior year, he's probably still at Delaware because he left and he went to a won a national championship somewhere else. Yeah. He's going to be a him. Hall of Fame coach. He's one of the top ten like in wins active. He's, but he was fired right after my senior yeah. year. Shows how bad my senior year was. It happens. <laughs> This is the portion of the show, we started it last week, uh, where we realized that we encourage you all to tweet at us, to comment on our YouTube page, to provide all of this feedback. And while we read it, and sometimes we do comment back, we have some conversations, we uh, you know do all of that online, we wanted to bring some of your feedback to the on-air show. Uh, so what we've done is we've tasked Dennis to go on to our YouTube, to go everywhere he can, find the best bits of feedback the and when i say best i mean most challenging right the ones that make the best points not just you know brown nosing not just oh you guys are great uh but hey i disagree with you on this whatever it is and uh and then we react here on air so dennis what do you got for us all right so this actually stems from the conversation that we had actually yesterday regarding Mm. the carolina panthers and their coaching staff talking about how there's alignment with the coaching staff that has been put together by Dave Canales, at least on the offensive side. I mean, defense, it's like all Evero's guys. Yep. All the offensive guys are all Canales guys. So this comes from uh, Jillian on YouTube. Hello, Jillian. Just give Tepper a break. Instead of criticizing everything in all caps, think of the fairy tale. Papa Bear, rule too hot. Mama Bear, right too cold. And now Baby Bear, Canales just right. At least wait and see the first game before pronouncing uh, this Tepper's next failure. Well, okay. First of all, this uh, I don't want to. I don't want to do this to Jillian, but this is how you know she didn't watch the full full video, right? Um, I don't know if it's a he or she. I just know that's the name that's on Twitter. Okay. Uh, well, this is how you know Jillian didn't watch the the full video because at the end I said I don't think it's a too much of an overcorrection. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can have too much alignment on a staff. It is. They overcorrected last year at the expense of other things. Okay. So to give you the the cliff notes of our conversation yesterday, uh, from the Matt Rule coaching staff to the Frank Wright coaching staff, it was obvious Tepper thought the thing that was wrong was the Matt Rule staff didn't have enough NFL experience. So the Frank Wright coaching staff had, I think it was 230 years combined NFL experience on their coaching staff. They chose that at the expense of coaches that trusted each other and knew each other they just went and got the most experience proved to be a problem ended up blowing up in their face this year because that they didn't trust each other there was no loyalty amongst the coaching staff they've overcorrected to more alignment more friendship more trust 
everybody that they've hired, especially on the offensive side of the ball, has worked with Canales and Dan Morgan along the way. Is it an overcorrection? Maybe, but I don't think an overcorrection is bad in that sense. I want like you can't be too loyal to the head coach. You can't be too on the same page. Like it's kind of a yes or no. You're either on the same page or you're not. And they are on the same page. I think it's a good thing. And we never said this was going to be Tepper's next failure. I guarantee you Tepper's next failure is coming somewhere. I just don't well, know. I don't know where it is. And maybe they'll be able to overcome it this time. Uh, he's he's not going to suddenly be perfect after striking out for five years. <laughs> All right. This also stems from YouTube comments from yesterday regarding UNC basketball. Mm. We talked about UNC basketball there is most efficient when running through Armando Baycott. So this comes from Nothing Man. Nothing Man? Oh, Nothing I love man. when we get to respond to somebody with a name like Nothing Man. Still say UNC will have double-digit will, uh, will double losses come Selection Sunday. They haven't won in Charlottesville in 12 years, so that'd be loss number seven. Three-game homestand with Miami, NC State, Notre Dame. They lose one of the three, maybe more to be honest. That's eight. Duke and Durham, that's nine. They don't win the ACC tourney, that's ten. Teams with double-digit losses don't get seeded anywhere remotely close to the number two seed that UNC fans seem to be expecting in March. Just a little reality check for the fan base. The reality check. By the way, what you just described, possible. Oh, 100% possible. Possible. It's sports. But the reality check of saying a 20-6 and six team is going to go, what, like four and three down the stretch or three and four three they're, and, they're saying four three more and losses. four um that's that four and four maybe if i guess they win an acc game and then and then lose uh i mean that's that's the lower end of their expectations right and that's kind of what you expect from a team that's in the position of unc like if the wheels fall off you finish what 24 and 10 25 and 10 something like that that's what most teams in the ACC are gunning for. So, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, this is one of those, now you're, what, what's his name, Nothing Man? Nothing Man. Nothing Man, now your prediction's on wax. Now we've set it on air. Now it's going to be on the podcast. Yep. Now it's going to be out there. So if it happens, I will applaud you. If it, I'm big on accountability. If it happens, I'll give you all of the thumbs up. We'll if, it doesn't, it back. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, you were pretty confident about it and it didn't happen, which – Happens in this business, but it's not fun when you're that wrong. I mean, he brings up there's they, somebody there's somebody I follow on Twitter right now that it, that is trying to convince anyone and everyone that'll listen on Twitter that Drake May like shouldn't even be a first round pick. It's a bold stance. It's a bold stance, and the internet lives in ink. You're either going <laughs> to be right or you're going to be wrong, and either way, people are going to remember it when it's a bold stance. So if you say UNC is going to lose ten games and you're right, I'll applaud you. I'll say, hey, didn't see that coming. But if they, you know, they finish with eight losses, I'm going to go <laughs> a little off, weren't you? All right, next one. This comes from uh, Brian Bennett. This is from the conversation that we had last week regarding the ACC and the lack of respect it gets when it comes to actual seeding in the NCAA mm. tournament and just the way national pundits talk about the ACC as a whole. Um, Brian says, this is the Joe Lenardi takedown we needed. Thank you. Show the ACC some respect. So, yeah, this was a little, like, brown-nosing, I guess. Not like pure brown hey, No, no. I mean, if you agree with it, you agree with it. No, you agree with it. That's fine. Yeah. We'll pump it up a little bit. Um, 
Danny Neckel. I don't know who this guy is, okay. uh, but I, I when you started talking, I knew where you were going with it. Uh, he is a UVA sports blogger. Um, most teams in the top – this is by conference, okay? By conference. Most teams in the top 50 of the net, right, those net rankings that everyone keeps talking about, that had a non-conference strength of schedule of 200 or worse – Right there's what like 330, 320 mm-hmm. uh, Division One teams, so 200 or worse is pretty bad. Uh, the Atlantic Ten, the Atlantic Ten, the West Coast Conference, the American, the SEC, and the Big East all have zero. They have no teams in the top 50 of the net with a strength of schedule non-conference 200 or worse. ACC has one, WAC has one, MVC Mountain Valley I believe has one, Big Ten has one. Pac-12 has two. Mountain West has three. Big 12 has seven. I say that for this reason. The Big 12 is gaming the system, and to a lesser extent, the Mountain West is gaming the system. So all of their rankings and all of their seedings are going to be super high. The ACCs are going to be down low. But guess what? The ACC is going to have a bunch of teams winning in the NCAA tournament if they can just get in the NCAA tournament because they depend on net rankings and quad victories and that's the wrong way to think of things. You know what is actually maybe my most controversial take? What's that? Do you know how I think the seating should happen? Get smart people in a room and shut the door. I don't th- like there's all of these computers. Computers can't get it. They just can't. You need to get like when I say smart people, I mean smart people with common sense and and can try to be objective and get like 25 of them in a room. One person who only votes on tiebreakers, right? They're like the the head, right? So only when it's 12-12 does that person vote and, and they break ties. Other than that, just get 25 smart people in a team meeting room and have them put the thing together. I think it's the best way to do it because the net ranking is just stupid. The, the BCS was just dumb. Like there's too much that computers can't get. The net ranking is rewarding the Big 12 for not playing anyone good. Think about that. And they're knocking the ACC for playing good teams and being good teams and beating each other because you're good teams. Stupid. 